we're talking about Fuqua this episode, mm-hmm. where do we want to start? I think other than start I guess like fact. a hello. I. Th- no, that that was it. Right? Go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> like I watched a bunch of Fuqua videos, and the way he introduces himself is Antoine Fuqua. Fuqua. I was like, okay, I was just. I've ask. been saying this wrong for twenty uh, hours. At least. So I feel bad. I'm going to have to put that. That's the kind of the elephant in the room. I feel awful. So I Dude, apologize. That's a, it's a great, great thing to, to point out at the top of the episode, too. Is like, hey, guys, just so you know, it's Fuqua. It yeah. took us fucking 15 it's, movies. Yes, it took us an entire filmography. It's not even like that's the first time I've watched interviews with right? him. And like, I'm just kind of irritated at myself. So it's <laughs> the fact that we're always kind of, you know going around and masquerading that we're these super woke cool dudes who be saying the wrong pronunciation and and you know that that's it's gonna happen at some point squarely on paco paco's i was was gonna say um paco originally (laughs) said the the f in fuqua was a silent vowel so (laughs) so fuqua yeah i mean i am and i will say even though I heard his name in a bunch of commentaries as he introduced himself, normally there was noisy shit going on in the background, you know, yeah. like mm. planes taking off or cars driving, uh, because his movies start in exciting ways. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, you know. It's a huge subtle difference that could yeah. be easily drowned out by that noise that few as opposed to foo. Like, yeah. And maybe and he also, I think we should we should give ourselves uh, uh, the elephant yeah. in the room is that Fuqua sounds way cooler than Fuqua. It's like Kung Fu. Is that what you're going for? Like <laughs> no, like Kung Fu Qua. You know. Yeah. yeah, this is like it was bound to happen. It's just like when people um, called like referred to Gal Gadot's name as Gal Gadot, mm-hmm. and then. People, I hear it all the time. I hear people like, it's actually pronounced Gal Gadot. But then when you hear her in interviews, she has an accent. And I'm pretty sure it's not dot. She says Gal Gadot. Like, well, see, but guys, the thing stop is. saying Gal Gadot. Yeah, I think it's Gal Gadot. Evan, the thing about Gal Gadot is she's. She doesn't know how to act. And so she doesn't know how to enunciate her name. Uh, she knows how to say it. I was Gal Gadot. Yeah, that joke went nowhere. I was just saying she's like the worst actress of our yeah. generation. I agree. Like, like you know what? she was so warm and charismatic in Wonder Woman 1984, though, and in the original. Well, this podcast yeah. on Antoine Fuqua is really, uh, <laughs> really well, we have to get the names right. The facts. <laughs> yeah. Now we know oh, where Fuqua might come from. And now we know that same place sucks, <laughs> <laughs> and also has some interesting, apparently some interesting opinions on uh, Palestinians. No, oh, yeah, we won't get into that. Uh, no, we don't need to. <laughs> Others have. Although, have you guys? Have you guys seen the uh, GIF? Oh man, that's another pronunciation debate we could have tonight. I'm gonna say GIF. Um, it's I like GIF. Yeah, yeah. GIF uh, uh, makes me hungry. Come on. Yeah, you don't want more <laughs> um, words to make you hungry. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, I think it was Eric Siska from We Hate Movies, he did a little short screen grab uh, in Wonder Woman 1984. She's rescuing uh, Middle Eastern kids, 
and she like takes him out of something and like lands on the pavement but she turns the kid around so the kid is hitting the pavement and she's like, <laughs> like a shield <laughs> <laughs> it's like captain america yeah dude yeah fucking <laughs> fucking what was it patty jenkins God, yeah, I forgot the director. Patty Jenkins. Yeah, Patty Jenkins is just like the no, gal, Jason. Gal, no, I've got three not, hours of my life to, what we're waste to do. on Dude. a fucking. <laughs> it's it, chapter two. Honestly, it's not. It's not enjoyable. It's just such a weird anomaly of badness that is just baffling to watch because it's see it's like you just so subscribe many... Twitter to me. I could spend <laughs> that time on Twitter. There you go and learn a little more. Yeah. <laughs> I won't have fun, but I will be baffled. <laughs> sometimes being baffled is fun, though. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're cute cats. A bit lost. What would Hugh Grant sound like if he was lost in an airport? <laughs> I think we already established that one. Like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Can you please? I, I'm just just looking looking for the. Where's the kiosk over there? I'm so sorry. Oh, it's I'm sorry. Thank you. Goodbye. I said lost. I'm so sorry. It's, just, well, it's too fun. I'm so sorry. It is. <laughs> we have fun here. We do. So, Antoine Fuqua. 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 Um, <laughs> hey, Paco. Yeah. Was it was it a joint decision by, like, you two or all of us? <laughs> by Bono himself? No. By both of you or all of us to do Fuqua? Or was that your choice? I think I suggested it uh, because mm-hmm. uh, part of it was we were making our decision around the time of the black lives matter protest. And uh, we realized there aren't a lot of like black filmmakers, like even in genre. And we wanted to showcase one. And uh, I don't think he's necessarily the most established or well-known. Like, I mean, I guess maybe he's the most successful, uh, but he's the one whose movies were the most interesting to me of what i'd seen so i was like fuck it let's give this guy a shot yeah of a genre filmmaker Mm -hmm. a black genre filmmaker yeah like someone like spike lee i feel like didn't quite fit that bill like he works a lot in genre but he does a lot that is more straightforward just drama and also he makes so many fucking movies all yeah, we would be doing for two years on the show would be talking about Spike Lee. Yeah, he comes out even with ones that like no don't necessarily make it to like mainstream theaters or like knowledge. Mm-hmm. Just like oh shit, like Spike Lee came out with a movie this year, not Defy Bloods, but like another one. You're like I didn't even hear about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he, the, he is very prolific. So I, I think this is really interesting, just in the context of or the contrast between Spike Lee and Fuqua is. Uh, in an interview that I saw today with him, he was talking about how when he was getting started, he was doing all these music videos um, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, he was kind of gaining some steam in that direction. And then when he did um, Replacement Killer, uh, the Replacement Killers, it was where he was known as a black filmmaker. 
And he kind of was trying to shrug that role off because he just wanted to be known as a filmmaker. Uh And I think he was using Martin Scorsese as an example of like, you never say, oh, it is a great Italian filmmaker or, you know, things of that nature. And so he's kind of been trying to shrug off this, like, I want to be a good filmmaker, like period. And I think the same goes for women filmmakers where it's like, it's a double-edged kind of thing where it's like, it's super important to be representative, like to go like, hey, fuck yeah. Uh You know, I'm a black filmmaker. But on the same token, too, to try and be like, I'm, a, you know, mm-hmm. a filmmaker, like I'm an artist. I'm not, yeah, a, you this, know, especially because, define me. like with the comparisons of Spike Lee, like he has mm-hmm. made some amazing pieces of black cinema. And I think yeah. Fuqua, there isn't like a like, I don't know, it's <laughs> I'm I, the worst person I'm to talk just to. more blown away by the fact, like, I appreciate the point and I think it's a valid point for him to make. But imagine saying no one thinks of Martin Scorsese as an Italian-American filmmaker. Like, that's like fucking all that guy does. Yeah. Like, uh, it's very true. Yeah. I mean, except once every decade he'll make a Hugo or a uh, fucking... Um, but like, I don't think that I've ever... I've always just kind of like, oh, I think of like the school of like American filmmakers and UK filmmakers. Like I never really think of like subcategories or anything like that. So it's, I, yeah, like I don't think I don't of Scorsese as like an Italian-American filmmaker. No, I just I think, think of like he's just a filmmaker. American filmmaker. Like I, I just like... Scorsese is so Italian American that he has cast Robert De Niro as an Irishman three times. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine looking at Robert De Niro and being like, "Yeah, he'll pass." Yeah. <laughs> I can see it, but still, Yo, I'm, like, I'm in, looking in for the these con- leprechauns. Wait, hey, <laughs> hey, you tell me. Wait, these leprechauns. Do you do? Sorry. Yeah, I, I just. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's fairly widely acknowledged given how much of his work focuses on Italian-American culture as yeah. well as just him. Like, I think there is an understanding that he's considered, like, not just a filmmaker, but an Italian-American filmmaker. So I'm not disputing Fuqua's point. I think it's a good point that you can aspire to just be considered a filmmaker without being put in a box or like have those labels put upon you. I just thought it was silly because I mean, Martin Scorsese is like a oh, cartoon sure. version of an Italian man. Well, I just think it, it's, it's interesting because it, it fits the persona that he has, you know, like he has such a like macho soft spoken. He's kind of like a samurai, you know, like the way that he talks, the, the enthusiasm that he has, like his like, competencies around making these like mid-budget films be kind of big hits and like Mm -hmm. get the studio's money and actually have like an interesting kind of spectrum of movies that he's worked on you know like reflecting back on all the films that we've watched like there are a couple of weaker ones but he kind of you could tell that he's invested in a bulk of the projects that he's done um he's he's just like a i don't know he just seems like a uh confident filmmaker in a way that's different than like someone like michael bay because he he seems to have confidence in like actually directing actors in in like this mm-hmm. way 
that that even you know James Wan didn't hasn't really had like the you know especially like with the Denzel you know collab collabies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I feel like he's the most assured director in terms of like just the craft, like the working with actors and uh, doing interesting stuff in terms of some camera movements. I mean, he's not doing elaborate special effects shots, but he doesn't really care about that. Uh, And I feel like James Wan is good at hitting like emotional points, but he's not really as invested in, or of course he's invested, but Fuqua is better at drawing a performance out of every actor he's working with. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say. Yeah, I can definitely say that. It's like the interesting contrast. Cause like I consider it, you know, with a couple exceptions, most of his stuff is action. And mm-hmm. if you're going to compare it to like Michael Bay, who we covered, you know, in our first series, I feel like there's a lot more emotional resonance and a lot more like care given in given by the actors in all of the movies, regardless of them being just an action fun movie that's supposed to wow you Mm -hmm. like visually. I feel like Fuqua has a certain, um, I don't know from, from what, what, uh, what I perceived is, is he had, he has a way with actors that people want to work with him. People liked working with him and were a lot, were given like, a certain amount of uh, space and creativity to bring to each one of their characters, even if it is just like, like a movie like shooter Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the regardless of the context or how it was filmed, like everybody's pretty convincing in that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's everybody seems like they care. Like there's an interview with him where he's asked about like how many, you know, collaborations he's had with like Ethan Hawke. And Melissa Leo, Melissa, yeah. I pledge the Leo gents. But it's just like the way that he shoots Denzel has a layer of trust to it. And that's what makes collaborations between filmmakers and actors so interesting because there's a certain vanity uh, about being a commodity where you want to be photographed well at the end of the day. You want to work with filmmakers that like challenge you but also you know low-key you want to look flattered flattering Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to have someone like Denzel where he's he talks about shooting with with Denzel on like training day and how like you know he would keep asking for takes and he'd go like oh Denzel do you want to like you know take a pick a peek at the monitor and see how you're doing and stuff and Denzel's like no if you think it's good good and like having that respect where they keep coming back and working together like they that's that's such an interesting process in trust and friendship and like mentorship uh behind the camera camera and in front of it that it's interesting to see that develop over a wide period too where Fuqua has changed and done different projects you know since training day just it's super interesting like he yeah yeah it's 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 one of it's one of those examples I think to to sort of stem from what you're talking about, Jason, is Fuqua is one of those that I feel like what I enjoy most about doing these directors and like going through these filmographies is seeing them develop over time mm-hmm. and where they started in their, like, you know, in their, when they're first making films to where they are with their last film, like or their most recent film. I guess what I was getting at is 
he's one of those filmmakers I feel like is unlike Bay has actually been fun and I think has progressed <laughs> in his filmmaking as his as the years went on is you know I don't know particularly yeah. with action but I think that's just the change of uh, the uh, seasons just you know what was more most thrilling and what was uh, expected in like 98 and then like you know the early aughts to the mid aughts and now into like 2016 mm-hmm. well like, it's it's interesting because that's true to a point but he's also like the last guy standing basically doing r-rated thriller action type movies like i mean a couple of them come out every year or two like i think either the same year or the year before eli roth did a death wish remake uh oh yeah around the time of the uh equalizer 2 but like it really feels like it's a part of movie culture that's just disappearing and that's a main reason i wanted to highlight him is he does these movies that well they're kind of trashy they just aren't really made elsewhere anymore Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i i think that it's good to enjoy your trash where you can get it exactly and it's like it's not like um it's not like they're horrible like the you know critics hate his stuff for some reason mm-hmm. like maybe there's a reason and uh, but it's because honestly, critics like dumb views yeah <laughs> I, I guess uh, they well they just i it feels it seems like one of those where it's like they're maybe smelling their own farts and too into high art that they can't appreciate something that isn't high art and that is just dumb fun it and but like i guess like because I, there are some like dumb fun that is done incredibly well in Fuqua. I you know haven't seen all of his movies, but watched a fair amount of them. I was like, yeah, like they're not also not like done in a way where I'm like, man, that was like mm-hmm. really dumb fun, but it was pretty phenomenally done, or mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Yeah, they're they're, um, they're, they're just pretty capable. Generic. They're capable, but they're generic. But on like the thing that boggles my mind is like every Marvel movie gets good reviews and those are so much more generic. And I would argue on average, less fun, like because you never know what you're going to get. Like Fuqua is like kind of all over the place and interesting. And yeah, you want to see Richard Gere get a BJ? Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see Mark Wahlberg try to, or no, Jake Gyllenhaal try to win his kid back? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> you just never fucking know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the one thing that attracted me the most to his uh, body of work, too, when you um, were first talking about him, because I was like aware of him in the background of my mind as a name but not Mm -hmm. as a person or like a style of filmmaker, you know, because all of these are really interesting because they're part of this fat, you know, he's creating his own life's work or body of work from the days of making film uh, or music uh, videos to, you know, commercials and um, these, these awesome like genre films that you don't see anymore, like those eighties dad films and mm-hmm. it's like you look at a movie like Shooter, yeah. and it's like it was um, like 
it was such it's such an anomaly because it's it's a movie that would have worked in the 80s that still works in this post 9-11 world and it's just weird to hit that sweet spot and he does that a couple of times in his career you know even in training day you know where it's just all firing on the right cylinders um that it's been interesting kind of you know examining his work uh, from an entertainment perspective because they're all fairly entertaining but also from yeah. like a film perspective like the way that he shoots the like the people that he works with is they're they're interesting he, he makes some interesting choices well yeah. I, and that's kind of what drew me to him uh he doesn't really do sequels obviously equalizer 2 but other than that he's always sort of experimenting and trying to challenge himself and do something different from what he's done before. Um, and I think that that's interesting for a filmmaker, uh, genre filmmaker or not to just be playing around and learning what you can do and what you can get away with. And so, yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating. Uh, yeah. I personally have enjoyed him the most out of our series so far, but agreed. I also picked him. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, yeah, like you were going into this kind of like, I've already seen all of his movies and most of them in the theater. And Mm -hmm. I know I appreciate this like type of movie. And for the reasons you mentioned, it's kind of like the, the, the filmmaking, the kind of filmmaking that he does is the kind of stuff that you don't really see anymore. As somebody who is bold enough to do that and still somehow keep it going. Like he hasn't petered off. He has a movie that was going to be released this year. That's a sci-fi, you know, mm-hmm. action thriller that, you know, was pushed back till next year because of COVID. Um, well, now I think it's supposed to come out this year now that we're recording in 2021. Oh my God. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. It was supposed to come out August last year. Now it'll be this year in, I think May or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm kind of excited for, but yeah, it's um, he's a fascinating lot because I can, I can see where it, critics wouldn't like his his movies, but I don't understand why to such a point that like literally all of his movies are have like the worst ratings except for like Training Day, which like mm-hmm. hands down, granted, is a phenomenal movie, but like I don't know, I don't know, he's he is such an interesting anomaly to me. I would say that there's an inherent bias against genre filmmakers. And yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fairly well documented going back, you know, decades, basically as long as there've been critics, like if I think every now and then they'll find one that is really well done that they'll champion and in the modern era people are critics are a lot more open to genre films and genre filmmakers and it's become more accepted Hmm. um which is part of why it's strange to me that fuqua still has this sort of placement in film culture as like a b-movie filmmaker i mean i guess he is but he makes better movies than his reputation suggests and like a lot of the repu like the reviews if you read them they're shitting on him and being like this hack is making another bad movie 
Jesus. Uh, and it's, wow. I mean, they're not quite that overt yeah. about it, but it's like. Yeah. The context is there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we just don't like his stuff anyway. Yeah. It's one of those things where if like you go in expecting not to like a movie, I think you're predisposed not to like it. Um, yeah, that's fair. But I think he he deserves a cultural reappraisal. I think he's done some great work. Yeah. And I mean, we haven't even watched all of them, you know, like he's done Tony Braxton videos and he's worked with Prince and Stephen mm-hmm. Wonder. Done two documentaries. He made Inside Out 4, which was softcore porn. Um, it's just there's Inside. like lightning in a bottle. Uh, you know, uh, he, he did... Uh, that Muhammad Ali movie. Um, yeah. What's the, my name? Gosh, I literally yeah. was like, what's the name? What's my name? It's my name. Muhammad <laughs> Ali. Um, and then um, I didn't get a chance to see really the good. American dream. Uh, I heard it's great too. I think it's mm-hmm. on HBO max. I think. Um, I so. Interesting. Uh, and also I really want to see American uh, dream, American nightmare about should night, uh, the documentary yeah. made a couple years ago or mm-hmm. years. Um, and he's working now too on a Lakers documentary. Um, it sounds interesting. Like, have, have you guys seen that Last Dance documentary series on the? Eh, no, I don't. I don't give a Same. shit. Yeah. Plus, Jordan. Jordan's an asshole. Like, yeah. Oh come on! What what about Space Jam? And everyone forgets that he like would yell at referees and be kind of a spoils, kind of like a Trump. In the, oh, I use the T word. It's kind of. Actually, he's not like Trump. Never mind. <laughs> what classifies a Fuqua film? Oh yeah, that's a good like question. if someone asked you, if someone asked you, like, oh, who's Antoine Fuqua? Like, oh, okay, he did the Magnificent Seven, but like, what type of films does he make? Like, what what type of what's he known for? What shot does he use a lot? What you know? What what's his musk? I feel what's he like, like my theory as we've gone through these has become his thing is that he focuses far more on uh character and character development and almost yeah. like a melodramatic element to the characters yeah. than is typical in uh a genre movie which goes back to the replacement killers too yeah of like he wanted to he kept trying to you know like put in little moments of like that help you learn who the character like who the two main characters are not just based on what they're doing but like their motivations like what are they there for and they would have actual like discussions with each other about like what's going on and eventually with like you know Mira Sorvino's character mm-hmm. eventually really empathizing and sympathizing with Chayanne Fat's character um like it yeah it goes back as far as his first movie it's like ultimately and you know 85 percent an action movie and then 15 percent like actual like character like you know motivations and stuff like that yeah it's uh that seems to be a thing and i think part of that is he has unconventional pacing as a result like yeah, his movies are longer true. And he has scenes that aren't necessarily always effective, but he's really focused on trying to find the like dramatic inner life of his characters. And I think that's fairly unique. Again, going back to Michael Bay, our 
other action director that we've covered so far. Michael Bay is like the exact opposite. He doesn't give a flying fuck about interiority and he just does like long, unfunny comedy scenes instead. Um, oh, does he do long, funny comedy scenes, Paco? <laughs> I said part unfunny. of that's true. Oh, I, saw that lot, right? I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. <laughs> I needed to enunciate that first uh, syllable. Yeah. Un. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that is, it's very true. I think that's like. It's it's like Fuqua. He's mainly an action director, but he what he wants to do is create purpose as opposed to just throwing things at us to excite us on what's what we're seeing on the screen. Mm-hmm. He wants us to actually feel like we're a part of the drama that is, you know, essentially like what builds to the action. And so I he always has a certain level of wanting his characters have purpose even a movie like brooklyn's finest like that's mostly a drama movie that has purpose to to each of the characters each of the individual personas that they play and how they play a role in the overall story mm-hmm. so yeah no he's a purposeful action director uh, yeah not like michael bay <laughs> no who's another action director though that could be sort of similar um i Honestly, off the top of my head, I think John Woo focuses a lot on melodrama as well. Um, I feel like uh, Fuqua sort of finds a middle ground where John Woo really goes into like uh, like Hong Kong drama where it's a very over the top. Uh, Fuqua brings kind of an American sensibility to that. I see. Um, but, I like that. you know, most action movies don't want to waste time with that shit. They don't. It's just, it, it was striking me watching his movies because he really has existed throughout the early 90s alongside Michael Bay. Like, their careers have kind of been going alongside each other. But it was just interesting thinking of both filmographies and seeing the differences that each made. Mm-hmm. But when you have movies like Bait that are kind of like you know bad boys like the energy of like the mid 90s or the early 90s even though bait came out later but like you don't see these kind of simple films often anymore and it's just interesting that he's he's made more interesting like cerebral movies than michael bay has like you actually kind of feel more for the characters and he pays more attention and focuses more on characters for the most part to uh-huh. make you to, to sell his story that he's trying to tell. Like he's a, I think a more masterful storyteller than Bay, but it's just interesting thinking of them cohabitating the same space at the same time yeah. in Hollywood. As both being contemporaries, it is like, a, that's a really good point. I never thought of that. But like they're both making movies at the same time. And like, while Bay is sort of making blockbusters, making, you know, millions upon millions next to billions of dollars mm-hmm. on these movies. Fuqua is sort of like kind of struggling as he's going along, but making arguably and I think objectively better movies than Michael Bay was during the exact same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, even Michael Bay's movies were like, all the Transformers are terribly rated. Nobody fucking likes them, but people will go and see them because they're dumb action fun that is easy to 
I don't know. I was I was gonna say easy to digest, but they're incredibly hard. They're like three hours of bullshit. While Fuqua has, you know, usually like a nice tight, you know, unless it's like a, a, a thick drama, it's you know, it's like a tight two, two and a half hours, like that's mm-hmm. long, but it's not it's not overbearing, or at least like an example being the equalizer, like the first equalizer being only just like a little over two hours, was it? Um, it's definitely it's like, over two hours. I remember yeah, being kind of I, surprised by how long it was. There hasn't yeah, been a movie, but it feels pretty tight. Or you know, under two hours since like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, like every mm-hmm. movie is like two hours. Yeah, but I mean, well, it's, it's it's as opposed to like some action movies where like anything that they can like shoot out through the Hollywood system into theaters is like an action movie that's like an hour and a half. I mean. Placement Killers was that nice tight like hour and twenty minutes. It wasn't even hour mm-hmm. and a half. But um, the I think you bring up such a a great point about Michael Bay, where like Michael Bay will fucking like shove a Transformers movie down your throat every second for a three hour tour. Mm-hmm. And Fuqua, like Fuqua, doesn't. The difference between the two filmmakers is that Michael Bay doesn't give a shit about you and thinks you're dumb as fuck. And Antoine Fuqua makes the type of movies where he's not like working with an editor to have like gotcha moments where you feel stupid. Like he maintains you as the viewer to the narrative that he's telling, like captivated. So it's like even some of his misfires, I never really felt, well, I mean, maybe bait is an example, but like, Mm I never felt talked down to or like the way that Michael Bay's movies are where it's just like he respects that the person who's watching his movie is smart enough to tell what's going on. And I kind of like that a lot and appreciated it, you know? Yeah, that's, I like that a lot too. He does treat us with a little bit more respect. I think we talked about it in a previous episode too, is like Fuqua uh, Fuqua actually has, it's, it kind of, seems like he has more respect for his audience and and or wants to give them the respect that they may or may not deserve mm-hmm. and i feel like it, it difference between him and bay in this uh, example is also like like you said jason he can shove three hours of transformers down your throat uh well transformers down your throat for three hours but accomplish next to nothing in like totally substance or anything fuqua can do it in two and a half hours max. And at the end of it, you're like, Oh, I understood a lot. I actually felt connected to this main character that we're following or the main bad guy even. And, and, or just all the random characters. Like that, understand you know, what's going this. on. Yeah. Like, is it a privilege too. to really cool know what the fuck is happening in a movie? Like, I really like, I, you take that for granted when you see a Michael yeah. Bay transformers movie where you're like, yeah. I've been watching this for two hours I don't know what's going on. I don't know where it's they're going. They're going somewhere. Yeah. And then I don't and know why that one underground. was that. It's just... It sounds like that one yeah, was exactly. also like a clusterfuck of, I don't know what's going on. It's action. It's fun. Yeah, Dude. It just, that's not interesting. So like Fuqua doesn't... There are no movies in his... Well, yeah, there's no movies in his uh, filmography where I was like kind of lost and not knowing what the hell's going on. And not in a way that's like avant-garde or something. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're all pretty straightforward. Yeah. I I think he's just kind of a captivating filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, I, I th- do want to sit through all of his movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
where where do you think he goes from here? Like other than the upcoming things that he has uh, in the works for us the next couple of years, like is there a certain genre that you you'd want him to return to or or to like horror? Or w- would there be any like actors that you'd want to see him work with? Like, I just want to see him and Denzel do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah, like, they seem to have fun together. Yeah, and you know they do westerns, they do revenge movies, they do crime dramas. Like, yeah, they kind of do. They would whatever. do a comedy. You know, everyone forgets that like Denzel is a really charismatic guy. Like, he could have done way more comedies, like Tom Hanks. Like, I think Fuqua and him doing a comedy would be interesting because you really don't see a lot of comedy out of Denzel, even though he's like, he's pretty funny. I think that'd be interesting. I mean, Ricochet is kind of. Yeah. uh, I mean, my thing would be more like, I don't know how funny Fuqua is. And like, one of the things he kept saying in commentaries, he's like, yeah, I didn't realize that line was funny until people in like test audiences kept laughing (laughs) at it. So I feel like question mark. No, it was not bait. And actually, now that you bring bait up, no, they should not do a comedy. Uh, (laughs) 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 Yeah, it sounds like Fuqua is not quite interested in. uh, It's definitely not his skill set. You know what, Fuqua should which is great. Rear window, stay there. With Denzel. Because you know Denzel, wow. it would be another movie where he gets to sit. <laughs> it's a thriller. But like, can you imagine like, it It wouldn't be like the Disturbia movie that came out 15 years ago or whatever with Shia LaBeouf. Like, if mm-hmm. you made an interesting movie of like, a person of color in a neighborhood that like, peeking at other people's windows, like, there could be a really interesting story there. Like, if I could, if I could see a remake, it would... It would hit all my buttons. Denzel sitting, peeping peeping Tom, Fuqua being able to control the entire environment. Like that sounds kind of captivating, like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd go more. I want to see them do like a taxi driver riff. Uh, Interesting. I want to see like. Hmm? <laughs> no, lift driver. Oh, lift driver. Yeah. yeah. That's up to date. Because <laughs> uh, he just did it in the equalizer, too. <laughs> uh, but, but it's not quite taxi driver. I, I, I just want to see like Denzel play kind of a more villainous type. Um, and sort like of a complicated play with that. villain. Yeah, like just like as I, I drive wanna... around this stupid stinking city, and I'm just clicking on the apps, and I'm a camp, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, I just want I an anti-hero, you know. He yeah. hasn't really done an but, I mean, anti-hero that's what movie because he's he's a he's America's golden child. Like mm-hmm. he's the Tom Hanks movie star, where you you don't really see him like Training Day. He's kind of a bad guy, but he yeah. hasn't like he hasn't Willem Dafoe anyone. You know, like he needs to go crazy. Yeah. He needs to kind of take his shirt <laughs> off. <laughs> Let the shame take you, son. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm really curious to see what this next, because um, it's it's based on a book, I guess. Um, this next sci-fi action thriller movie that is coming out this year mm-hmm. with Marky Mark. 
He's back at it with him. Yeah. Return of Marky Mark. Yeah. Jason Manzukis is in it, which is great. Yeah, like I love too. Jason Man- Manny Zooks. Yeah, um, Zooks. And then he has the Guilty coming out on Netflix, I think, this year. And that's the Jake Gyllenhaal, oh, Ethan Hawke. Or wait. Yeah, I think, yeah, Ethan Hawke and Jake Gyllenhaal, I think, are in that one. So it's like nice. really him kind of circling the bases again with some of his more interesting collaborators, which that being said, do you want to do our Rankin Bass? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. You made your lists. So of the directors we've actually covered, like Michael Bay, mm-hmm. James Wan, each of them, there's been like one movie of theirs that has like stood out. And one that like maybe we didn't even expect to appreciate as much mm. as that we did like, or include within our echelon of like great films. Mm-hmm. Like for example, with Michael Bay, we had pain and gain. That was kind of like out of the blue that with James Wan. It was insidious, which kind of like surprised us being like, this is a lot better mm-hmm. than I expected. So what film? And I, I absolutely mean to use that term as opposed to movie. Um, do you feel like stood out as a surprise and is uh, worthy of being more appreciated than it is. Like Training Day excluded, because mm-hmm. we already know that's like a con- mm-hmm. that's a notable film. Everybody knows that as a as just a, a good film. And of one, it, if when people think of Fuqua, it's most likely for Training Day. So of Fuqua's movies, aside from Training Day, what is one that you guys? <laughs> well, I had like, already Paco, you can go first. I had already seen a bunch of them. Uh, so yeah. my big discovery from this was. Uh, replacement killers i had a blast with that one it is like a really fun remake of a john woo movie that doesn't exist is what it feels like (laughs) yeah Um, it's just a spiritual john woo movie exactly it fucking rules how about you jason i i don't know dude i think i i know training days off the table but I remembered like seeing that, like seeing that when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it's a good movie. Like I remembered like really enjoying it when it was a new movie, but watching it again as an adult and like knowing Denzel's body of work more and Ethan Hawke's body of work more mm-hmm. and then seeing it in the current climate where we are, I was just kind of struck by it, by how like, why isn't everyone talking about the grittiness and like how good of a film this is? So, I mean, like, that was a rediscovery for me of, of like, whoa, Training Day, like, really is one of the first great movies of the 2000s. Like, it, mm-hmm. it genuinely is is pretty fantastic. I think also a discovery was Denzel. Like, I've always loved Denzel Washington, but having a reason to see Denzel in a handful of movies that I hadn't seen before was really awesome because Denzel is, like, the best. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I I had seen Replacement Killers when I, when I was a kid and remember remembered liking it, but I think again it, it was a huge discovery of this tiny niche that you don't see in action films anymore, other than you know the '90s um, of just like a simple plot to get characters to do things and to ratchet up tension and have fun. Like it really is like it stands out, and I think that it would just be so cool to have him go back to doing something like that mm-hmm. uh, and working with Chow Yun Fat obviously would be rad, but I think the replacement killers was a huge discovery because it's like, why doesn't anyone use that in the same lists that they, you know, list all these other films that came out in that era uh, when it's really like a like simple, good 
like movie popcorn movie you don't see yep. yeah absolutely all right so about those ratings uh jason what's your number 12 my number 12 one the one that i i mean i didn't dislike like to the capacity that i did with like michael bay movies where like the ones that i really hated i hated like the transformers ones and stuff there wasn't any of these mm-hmm. i like really hated other than my bottom two and my bottom mm-hmm. one is tears of the sun i just didn't like this like i didn't think it was interesting none of the characters were there it clearly was like unpleasant on the set and i just like I understand and appreciate it in a, on a technical level of him doing like his thing as a filmmaker. I just didn't really like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Yeah. Uh, if you didn't like it cause it's a bad movie. Uh, yeah, no. my number 12 is his only worst movie bait. <laughs> uh, objectively. Yeah. What if, yeah. What if a comedy was made by the least funny man on earth? <laughs> And what if Jamie Kennedy was also in it for some reason? Um, oh, God. That's always, I forgot about and, that. that's always a good question. Why is Jamie Kennedy in this? Yeah. Why is he wearing it? Dude, it, it's the only movie that I actively hated. Like, on a deep down emotional level. Like, Tears of the Sun I hated on, like, an intellectual level. Yeah. I was like this is like offensive kind of. Yeah. And it was like turning genocide into a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, bait was just so poorly done that it hurt my heart. Yeah. Um, so fuck that movie. Um, that's my number 12. Whoa. That makes sense. <laughs> Hold on. I'm Any just erasing just... my list and making a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no that's fair that's fair would that be your 11 jason or is there something worse than bait um i thought that king arthur was (laughs) worse than bait it's just like that was the i did i do take back that uh i was lost in one of Fuqua's movies and it was this movie it was so bland I, I couldn't tell who anyone was I think it took me an hour to figure out who Arthur the guy yeah. I had no idea I was yeah. lost for an hour <laughs> oh man I related I think I sent you guys this but have you guys seen the clip uh, that's been going around social media where Mads Mikkelsen is talking about this movie. No. You might have. I'd love to see it though. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen uh, basically was shooting the movie and he was like, and I saw some guy with a camera. I thought he was like, you know, the press photographer. So at, like a quiet moment, uh, he's like, I was trying to meet the crew. I went over and introduced myself and the guy's like, oh, no, we've met before. And uh, he's like, okay, well, it's good to see you again. And then uh, Ray Winston took him aside and was like, dude, that's Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, what'd you say to him? <laughs> <laughs> and Brad Smickelson was like, oh, I guess I'm just never working again. <laughs> and then he's like, and then two weeks later, I did it all over again. <laughs> like, just couldn't remember what Jerry Bruckheimer looked well, like. Kept the white blindness himself. was 
real in the whole production too. Oh, I real. guess not just yeah. you guys. Look, I left Day out next to Jerry Bruckheimer. Lost, <laughs> lost. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I left out Ian Gruffund in that entire. I kept being like, guys, you have Mads Mikkelsen, you got Joel Edgerton, you got Ray Winstone, you got Ray Stevenson, you got Owen, uh, you know, Clive Owen. And then I would end mm-hmm. it there because I forgot that Lancelot was also a character. And I kept trying to reiterate to you guys, like, guys, it's not that hard. But every single time I left out Ian Gruffund. <laughs> it's clearly hard. It's a lot harder than I expected. <laughs> And, and I, I don't like Winnerbeer said the Lance a lot. It is clearly yeah. hard. It's, it's like, and I'm not even trying to be a stinker about it. It's just like th- that one was a tough one. And I bet that it's I one of those it. like wrong time for me to watch it, wrong mood. It's not that, you know, mm-hmm. at the time, maybe or we had a thousand people dying a day. I can't remember, but it's just maybe it's a time thing. Oh, but, remember those sweet oh, days? I remember but the only days. a thousand people died. Uh, those were the salad days. <laughs> uh, Oh, yep. I could go back. Um, <laughs> I wish I could go back. Anyways, um, speaking of a thousand was, people dying a day, my number eleven is Tears of the Sun, uh, a movie <laughs> that tried to make segue. genocide kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it tried to make genocide kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, and was just both kind of tasteless and boring. Yeah, and I don't know. Bruce Willis just seems like a dick. Yeah. Uh, there are two films I consider completely unredeemable in uh, Fuqua's oeuvre. And this is the one that I think is more offensive on a cultural level. Yeah. Uh, I just think on a filmmaking standpoint, it's at least competent in a way that Bait isn't. Well, I mean, um, he also... like. I think he even mentions that that's not one of his favorite movies. And it feels more like a, like, Oh my gosh, like Bruce Willis is a dick. You're kind of going against a bunch of producers who are wanting you to make a certain movie. And it just seemed like a bad experience that probably mm-hmm. you have to wonder that like, it takes a lot of people to make a movie and that's why the great successes are so exciting, but it just is a bummer when you have a movie like tears of the sun where there really isn't a redeeming quality of it. It just feels bad. I felt bad watching it. <laughs> like I just didn't care for it. Yeah. And wasn't it one of those that like, Fuqua right? even tried to make it something, but it was a lot of Bruce Willis just butting in as like what executive producer or something. Yeah. Like, there was a lot cloud. of challenges on I mean, set. We could do, we and... do a separate podcast of Bruce Willis and like his whole dichotomy of an actor, a persona, a asshole. <laughs> that would be a hard. musician. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot Bruno, Bruno, the return of Bruno. Yeah. The return of Bruno. <laughs> uh, awesome. Is that. All right, Jay, what's your uh, number 10? Um, my number 10 is bait. And I, I put this a little bit up there on my list. And I, I do agree that it's like a total mess, but it's an interesting mess. Like it's so weird. It's like a TV movie Power Rangers. It's a Power Rangers movie about Skull and Bulk or whatever that is just a mess. It's like it's zany without any humor. And you have like Jamie Fox was like is a charming actor and funny and yet the movie is obscenely not funny in a it, it, it has the, like, it's just, 
it's so batty enough that I was interested. Like when mm-hmm. you have uh, Doug Hutchison chewing the scenery, that's just something that's kind of memorable. So maybe it's the, the idea that it's more memorable than good. It's really a mess and awful, but I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember from, from that episode too. Like, bait you were, like, you both hated it, but I do remember Jason. You uh, were finding some qualities in it that um, yeah. I'm not surprised that it is at your number ten because you were like, it's still it's poor- horrible, but it's still fun in weird ways. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I will second him having poor taste. <laughs> I will second it by saying I also have poor taste. <laughs> I mean, so do I, but. Uh, oh. Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> because hey, we are a bit are nicer to my fun. friends Evan and Paco. Okay, yeah, it's a no. good taste. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, Evan's a little bit. You're like talking to yourself. You're no, like putting you yourself heard. down. I'm you gonna meet Evan? myself for a second. Damn, that guy. Sorry. Gollum. Anyway, all right. What is your number riddles? ten, Paco? <laughs> My number ten is um, perhaps not surprising. The least effective of the movies that I think have good things about them. It's a movie about uh, the failings of empire. It's a movie about like cynicism and how we relate to structures that have failed us. I know what it is. It's a movie called King. I Arthur. thought so. <laughs> yeah. You at least named the uh, good qualities. Yeah. Like uh, it's a movie that has a couple interesting, like action scenes and it's a lot better than I expected it to be. Um, but I think there's some serious casting issues. And I think this is also a point where Fuqua wasn't able to maybe have as much freedom in building out the characters as he would have liked, because I don't know who any of these fucking people are. And like, that's the last movie he makes where I feel like that's the case. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know what happens. They fight. Her, they and the Wodes fight the other like Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which they aren't Vikings, they're dramatic, but close enough. They look. Yeah. And they're. They they're they're, they're fucking played by Scar's guards. Yeah. They're. they're it's obviously a movie where, like, you're supposed to give a shit about, like, everybody, like, apart from Arthur, but it's really hard to do that when you don't actually know who they are apart from just being, like, part of his group. Like mm-hmm. all coming from like the me. same sort of background. That's that's pretty much all you get is the little bit of background that they all came from, which was they were okay. You know, taking a I've got a pitch. Ooh. I've got a pitch. pitch it. How we would do this movie now is we would have nine movies. We'd have a Lancelot movie. We'd have an Arthur movie. Yeah. We'd have a uh, Mads Mikkelsen movie and a Ray Winstone movie. And then after seven years they would all have this movie together and we oh, know who these characters like a are marvel thing <laughs> and it would be just as kind of bland uh and boring but we would have already invested like a hundred dollars into it 
So we'd feel like we had to finish the story. Hmm. I, you know, check. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I I second you, Jason. That kind of checks out, I guess. (laughs) Clive Owen is just like taking a poop or something. And then like Mads, you know, Tristan walks in and is like, hey. And then you're like, what? Tristan? And then it just fades to black. Coming 2018. Yeah, make sure you aim for the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, weird, weird tangent. I I like was like drunkenly one night just like thinking of who would be in the production crew for a Guinevere movie if they were to like do an offshoot with Keira Knightley. And I was thinking the director Mm -hmm. could be Patty Jenkins, produced by John Woo and Emma Thomas. You know, in the script slash screenplay by Greta Gerwig and Martin Scorsese. The DP, Wally Pfister. We're bringing him back. Second unit, Gareth Edwards. The score by Enya. Uh, protagonist is Keira Knightley, of course. And the antagonist is Gary Oldman, who plays I don't know. Who. Uh, he plays Caesar. Ooh! Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. At two. Yep. Oh, wait. Now, this was set, like, in 300 or something. Yeah, four, uh, 400. Caesar was dead by then. Galahad, yeah. like, finds fucking Merlin's, like... <laughs> Staff. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he, uh, he got it because we've got to bring Tucci back. Yeah, Tucci. We've got to bring Tucci in. Who was? Yeah, we we bring the Transformers Merlin into oh. this thing, I, I, and I honestly I could stand for Tucci's Merlin. Which Tucci's Merlin, great name for a band, the prog rock band. <laughs> But like, yeah. I can see a whole movie without robots. It's just him drinking from a twist-off wine bottle in a cave somewhere. <laughs> that's twist basically off. the lighthouse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well. Speaking so, of Justin, what's your nine? <laughs> oh, nine. Let me it's, take a, it's your let turn. Let me take a oh, guess, Jason. Yeah, what's That's my nine. Um, this is where it starts to get tricky now that we've gotten kind of the bottom bulk out of the way. Cause we've kind of been on the same, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're singing in the same key kind of in a different, uh, you know, you're harmonizing. Oh, yeah. You're definitely harmonizing. Every, everything from this point forward, I like to love. Yes. Uh, okay. so these so. next ones were kind of harder. I put, I did some arrows. I switched a couple of things around. Um, I think my, uh, my ninth one is Equalizer 2. Oh. And it's EQ2. not that it's not fun. I think it just, I was more disappointed by it. But I, I you know, who knows if I had saw that before. Actually, you know what? If I saw it before the first one, I think I'd still be disappointed. Um, because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't stand on its own as like, it just feels like a completely different type of movie. And I think that it's it's almost too confident in its ambitions and doesn't have the same drive or impact that the first one has like stylistically, you know, mm-hmm. uh, script wise, like just wasn't as big of a fan of it. Still fun though. I, I completely agree. I feel, I saw that in theaters and was not happy about <laughs> it. Um, I was very disappointed at the time of revisiting it for this. I, it's grown a little in my estimation, but yeah, I don't blame you. Um, it's a little higher up for me. Uh, for me, my number nine is 
a movie about police misconduct and how so the whole fucking movie. system's corrupt. Yeah. Well, no, it's about how the whole thing's corrupt. But the fantasy <laughs> is that like people actually do things to make it better. Uh, <laughs> and it is <laughs> Brooklyn's finest. Uh, yeah. Oh, the finest. I, like, yeah, it's it's a fine movie. Uh <laughs> Pun intended. Fuqua's um, finest. Yeah, it's it's the it's the most fine. Yeah, uh, it's like, the finest. <laughs> there's, it's good. there's nothing exceptional about it. Yeah. Um I think like it's a great acting showcase. I think that the story takes too long to get where it's going, and I'm just not as invested in it. Um but I mean there's so much that's fun about it and as I think will continuously come up, like some of the best shit about these movies is uh, Fuqua working with actors mm-hmm. and like, you know, this is scenes where Ethan Hawke blows Vincent D'Onofrio's head off out of nowhere. And like Don Cheadle acts his ass off and Richard Gere gets top as we keep talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's there's life before that and life after like like, growing up with like my mom always watching these Richard Gere movies to like to literally just sit alone and watch this on my tablet (laughs) dude that sounds almost as depressing as that scene Um, it's just gross. I can I still hear Richard Gere's tongue in the inside of his own mouth as he's. <laughs> oh God! When he's giving the instructions. Oh God! Damn it! It's just like uh, it's a, like, but bless his heart. Like he does, he does a <laughs> fucking great job. Yeah. I'm gross. I'm he pulse. commits. Yeah. Because I, I bet you were listening to that or watching it with your headphones in, so you could definitely hear the uh, all the nuances of the. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Oh, totally. Well, as oh, as Jason cool. mentioned, uh, Fuqua did make a porn at the start of his career, so yeah. he has experience with that kind of sound design. Ooh, yeah, yeah maybe he has the same team. <laughs> uh, yeah, bring back Wally Fister and the other guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His not DP. the one with the P. Not the no, not that Wally Fister. The other one, yeah. Fister. Yeah, as yeah, in newer Waller F I S T E R. Yeah. The the funny thing is, I do believe the actual Wally Fister started in porn as well. Dude, uh, that must be because I remember hot fucking porn. I mean, well, as a cinematographer. He has, like, you know, Super like cityscape <laughs> shots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lots of crane shots and, like, you know, helicopter Deep slow motion. Photography in the foreground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that must he's be really cuck- good. Fucking... <laughs> Dude, he's doing, like, cuck porn with, like, split diopters and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's... <laughs> All right, I gotta watch a Wally there Fister. There has to be like a really good like DP of porn that we're just not watching. Like you could probably shoot porn like in a really inventive way. It's just it's hard for me to like get past the first couple minutes, but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, can you bless? 
30 seconds. You won't last five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Production value's too good. Yeah. It's really tough. Like seeing people meet with their clothes on gets me off. It's just something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, they're having a very engaging conversation. It's actually very appreciative. Oh, I... like, she really doesn't know how to <laughs> get into her own house. <laughs> yeah. Are you the Dude, <laughs> well, I feel like we've gotten over that concept now because now it's all step siblings and step parents. Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, they're like, well, of course they'd be in the same house. Yeah. I forgot my key. I've got a key for you. Yeah. Your mom gave me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Your dad. The internet is so fucked yeah. up. I hate it and love it. <laughs> yep. All right, Jason. What's your? Are we at? Yeah. Eight? What's, what's your, your number eight? eight, Jay? God, my number eight is Olympus has fallen. Elaborate. All right. Olympus Olympus has fallen is a movie that I wanted to like so much more. Like on paper, it sounds like like Wesley Snipes made a movie a long time ago. It was like Passenger 57 or like 47, I think. 47. Like when I think of cool, like I think he even made a White House like movie where he's like a secret service person and it was called like the 14 or the 4400 or he made some thriller maybe that's what painted it when i was a kid i saw it and now there's every other mm-hmm. like white house secret service movie and it just like i don't think that gerard butler was my top choice like it was just like just i wanted to like it so much more like it didn't fully lean into the cartooniness of itself in a way that I wanted it to. And it just wasn't as like original or interesting as any of the movies it was homaging or like it, I don't know. It just wasn't, uh, it was fun, but not like something I would watch again or see any of the other movies in the series that aren't Fuqua related, but you know, I can't elaborate. If I could watch them in a row, I would. Um, But for some reason, as of a month or two ago, Netflix only had the first one and the third one. Weird. Uh, I'm not going to fucking skip over the one in London. Yeah, They they do it on purpose. You ever notice Mm -hmm. how like a lot of times they'll have franchises like save for like HBO Max where you can see every whatever, but like uh, they'll have like the first and then the fourth movie, and then they have the second mm-hmm. and the yeah. first, you know, like it's like they purposely. I think a lot of that's just licensing rights because, mm. like, oh, like the studios that own the rights usually uh, will get co-financing for films a lot of the time, uh, and so then like if Paramount's like, well, we don't want to show Mission Impossible three on this platform, yeah. uh, Mission Impossible three doesn't show up. That kind of deal. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, Netflix, I'm gonna find you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Paka, what was your number eight then? Yeah, Ocho. I guess eight's gonna be Equalizer two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... it's just like I don't know how you shit the bed so hard 
in your climax. Uh, um, apparently, you're not unless you're like doing fetish play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, there's... <laughs> five stars, Jason. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Sorry. Please, on my lift, please give me five stars. <laughs> five stars, baby. But, like, I, I can't... I hate a movie where Denzel Washington beats up a bunch of, like, douchey finance bros with their own credit card. Mm-hmm. Like... I, that scene alone added a couple stars to the movie for me. Uh, it's pretty amazing. As, especially with the end of it, where he breaks the dude's wrist and tells him to put five stars on yeah. the app. Like, he literally says oh, that. Oh, yeah. Uh, it felt like a case of like unintentional uh, Fuqua comedy. And I gotta say, I kind of fucking loved that. Oh, yeah. it, How was about you? What's, uh... it was super cathartic. Yeah. Like who knew that a movie from 2018 or whatever would make me feel good to watch. A... Well, of course the guy that is, you know, brutalized with a titanium credit card is a total asshole rapist. They're all fucking uh, monsters, mm-hmm. but um, it's like, it was so cathartic because they all represented something about white privilege that we can't stand. And uh was great especially seeing a black filmmaker that's great do that to those people and denzel punishing them i mean you you said it mm-hmm. yourself you said it yourself man she kidnapped herself um <laughs> uh, uh you said so yourself that like denzel is uh denzel is like the punisher especially in the second one because he doesn't this uh he's not going by you know the rules that he had for himself in the first one. He's kind of unhinged. Mm -hmm. Also, I just want to shout out again. I love the idea. He goes literally across the world to kill some dudes on a train. uh, So his bookstore will stay open. Totally. Uh, (laughs) Bad respect for that. For that little kid. Yeah. Love he has just so much fucking power to do that. (laughs) I just want my bookstore to stay open. So I'm going to go fuck these guys up. My favorite bookstore in town. You would do the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I would if I had that power. It's like, please, stop like you guys and that's why your, no one should have that power. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Jay, what's your number seven? Number seven, coincidentally, is Magnificent Seven. I think like this one is again like I'm my my list is ill begotten with my own bias about things that I dug in ins and outs of things. Like even though my number one, well, my number one is my favorite, but like Magnificent Mm -hmm. Seven on paper is one of the best films that Fuqua has made. Like just in terms of how it looks like the composition, the like the idea that he could remake a movie and actually do the right thing by having a remake, like synthesize a bunch of things from, uh, the director's experience and like his passion for like Kurosawa and put it through the filter of, of, you know, remaking an older film for a new generation with completely different context and things. Like I really kind of respect that and I dug it. So there's nothing really bad to say about it other than it's my seven. Hell yeah. How about you, Paco? Uh, My seven is going to be Southpaw. Oh, Uh, Southern Paw itself. 
it is probably the fucking craziest idea, honestly, if you really go into it, yeah. of any of his movies. Like, what if we made a boxing drama that was really a movie about a dude who just lost his wife within 30 minutes and then yeah. had to process his addiction? Like, it's out of character with everything else he's done. Yeah. It's out of character with how it was marketed. I mean, this came out the same year as Creed and was marketed as like a, another boxing movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but boxing is secondary to the overall plot. Uh, it's like a lot of his movies sloppy and kind of unshapen, but it's also fucking heartbreaking and really well rendered. And it's everything from this point forward is movies. Like I totally recommend people check out if they haven't seen, this is definitely worth a watch. Yeah. I think you're right. I think, um, uh, Southpaw was my number six, um, for the same reason where, it's it's strange because I always lump it or I did uh, beforehand, like lump it into all the other kind of boxing movies that don't really interest me that much. And this movie is really mm-hmm. not as much of a boxing movie as it is to deal with like trauma and addiction and being able to like address these things using the boxing metaphor. And also it like it's just a, it was I think his most complex character study and the like performance that Jake Gyllenhaal uh, gives is really um, uh, effective. And like, you know, Uh it's, I think one of his more electrifying movies. And I guess I would say that's one of a, like a discovery I made since we started watching his filmography. Like, I don't know if I would have checked this out other than otherwise, like, you know, also that girl, that girl is fucking devastating oh like yeah the child like child actors are normally yeah bad yeah we know what's right uh you know girl in southpaw yeah uh, una or something she breaks her heart the way that like a kiddo would like it's it's yeah it's tough i don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's tough (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah my number six is Olympus has fallen. Oh fuck yeah! It's uh, it's so fucking dumb, and there's so much shit that like is unneeded and like stupid. And on the other hand, it's a movie where it opens with a Secret Service guy boxing the president. <laughs> uh, there's at least fifty headshots. Uh, there's knife fighting. If there's a first lady dying in a limo crash on like a snowy drive, uh, like the, there's North Koreans gunning down people in the streets of Washington, DC. Like it's just so fucking gonzo and like goes for it that I can't help but be like, all right, this stupid fucking movie, uh, like has earned a, place of affection in my heart and like i do not like gerard butler i don't think he's a compelling actor i think uh he is at best a sponge 
and will soak up a little of what's around him and leak it out his pores. Um, Jesus. And he's not really with any other good actors in this movie. Like, I mean, every actor in this movie is objectively bad. You've yeah. got ER guy. You've got I Aaron Eckhart. Allegiance to <laughs> yeah. United. I mean, Melissa Leo is... Melissa Leo is good. <laughs> well, but Angela Melissa... Bassett is too, I think. Yeah, and so is Robert Forrester, but they aren't in the same scenes. Who like, are you? Gerard Butler <laughs> is not seeing them. He is just picking up the crap ooze and oozing the crap back out. And it fucking rules. Yeah, Uh, absolutely um, does. The Jerry Butt. It is... It's a great time. Uh, I highly recommend this stupid, stupid, stupid (laughs) movie. I prefer that Night Bomb has fallen. What? Olympus is a camera brand. Oh! Oh. God. Okay, Nikon is falling. That's what I heard. Okay. All right. Please uh, cut. Hats off to you. I'm throwing the flag from the roof of the White House for that one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that scene. Uh, you know what? Maybe it's my number one with that no, scene. Because no, <laughs> at the end, you know, they raise it back up. Ah, oh, man. Uh, Did you see. We just put uh, a Capitol Hill down yesterday. Yeah. Did you <laughs> yeah. see, Evan? Uh, the meme I sent in the group text, uh, our group text, the podcast group text, yeah. uh, of Mike Banning, like at Capitol yeah, Hill. Yeah, that's fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, yeah, dude. That's totally. so perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. I should make, no, I shouldn't. I'm not even going to say what I was just thinking. You're going to make nachos because... right now. No, I was going to say, like, it'd be great to do a super cut of something that I'm not going to do a super cut of. Oh, good. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, what's your number five? My number five is Brooklyn's Finest. And I think... for I don't know what it is. I, I can't tell if it's the bias that, like, I love all the actors and the performers and the, like, multi-tiered story that is super film schooly. It's super, mm. like clean with what its intentions are but i kind of really enjoyed it and i i i think using it as a backdrop with like training day in the background you know of his career just made it more fascinating for me and uh mm-hmm. yeah i just kind of really enjoyed it uh more than i was expecting as well like that's probably yeah that's my top five babe oh shit yeah. dude that's right we're getting to the top fives yeah we're getting to the top tier yeah, what, what about you what's your uh what's your cinco uh, it's it's got to be the Magnificent Seven. Oh, Mag Sevs. I really just have so much fun, again, with all these actors who are clearly not taking themselves too seriously and are just enjoying themselves. Yeah. Like, Vincent D'Onofrio as the weird oh, yeah. mountain man. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's just... Everything other than Chris Pratt in this movie is, like, what I want a Hollywood movie to be. Yeah. Like, it's that mix of good craft and, like, populist entertainment uh, that you rarely see. And, you know, for a PG-13 movie, it doesn't pull many punches. And I also love the idea of, like 
a magnificent seven that showcases a diverse West and gives everyone something to do. Um, you know, it's just a good fucking time. Subjectively, just like a fun time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. What's your I agree, number four? Uh, my number four is the Equalizer, the OG. Like, it's one of the more fascinating, like, adult dad action thrillers of past 20 years. Like, it is, it's, it's fun. It's, it's not fun because of the subject matter, but it's fun in terms of, like, how you, you relish the stylistic choices that are made and how like mm-hmm. you're in it for the ride. Like when I think of Fuqua's like skills of uh, composition, like that one stands out as being like a really great, like edge of your seat thriller that you just, again, like you don't see that often. And I know that's, that's such like an old guy phrase, but it's like, it was like slipping mm-hmm. into a nice tub. You know, it's it's like you you are engrossed in the uh, the film and the characters presented and trying to, uh, you know, uh, see them through it. So it was a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Uh, mine is Replacement Killers. Ah. Uh, oh, really? I fucking. Number four. Yeah. Cool. I think some of the stuff with Chai Young Fat and Mira Sorvino holds this movie back just slightly yeah. but uh i mean it's a movie where chow yun fat fights fucking danny trejo in a movie theater playing cartoons yeah like it, and the action is choreographed by john woo <laughs> like, what else do I need forced to his kid to go with him to go see cartoons go to see mr <laughs> magoo <laughs> it's outrageous god uh yeah it's honestly because we did it so long ago i keep forgetting this movie exists already yeah but every time i think back on it i'm like that movie had some cool arcade shit and like or that movie is so silly but fun and it actually had a twist that got me yeah like so i gotta shout it out yeah like yeah well i i uh i have to say that's my number three is the replacement killers I, for exactly the reasons you gave, I think the the relationship stuff holds it back, and it's really just the endearing story of one man's revenge against another father for taking his son away, and then Chow Yun Fat kind of being in the middle trying to mediate this like conflict, unbeknownst mm-hmm. to Michael Rooker. Like I always think that that's one of the more uh, nuanced pieces of Fuqua's body of work that's on display there where it's like the idea that you have two stories going concurrently and one impacts the other one, but the other one's still unaware. Most of the movie is just interesting. And he like pulled it off really well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it hits that sweet spot that is it's random. Cause it deserves to be in like the mid nineties. It's just strange to think of when it came out was at the tail end of all of these type of movies. Yeah, and the more we talk about it, the more I remember other great action scenes, like the fucking uh, car wash. Yeah. And yeah, all great. these things. It, God, that movie fucking rules. Yeah, what's your, uh, what's your <laughs> trace? Uh, well, funny you should ask, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> My number three is about a guy who can shoot things from really far away and he's really good at it 
What does he do? So they call him the shooter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, who is he? What does he do? <laughs> he's not an inventor. Uh, no, uh, he he's not a golfer. Uh, um, he's not Happy Gilmore's rival. Uh, mm. He just shoots yes. the fucking uh, innocent people who are, you know, trying to stand up against oil tycoons at the beginning. And uh, well, he doesn't know that he's killing semi-innocent people till the end. But uh, you know, it it's both like a really fun dumb Mark Wahlberg movie like it puts him to some of the best use outside of pain and gain I've seen where everyone in the movie is using him for their own ends because he's a dumb fucking dude (laughs) 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 like Danny Glover took one Danny Glover took one look at him and was like oh yeah I can manipulate this guy (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, like he's a dumb dude with a good heart and he just wants to reveal the truth about all the evil of American empire. And he wants to fucking shoot some dudes on some snowy mountains in the process. And it's got it's weaker moments, but like the highs of this movie are so high and so fucking again, I would only categorize them as gonzo. Uh, Just the fucking insanity of some of the shit they're doing that I gotta give it props. Yeah, totally. That's my number. That's why it's in my number two. Because exactly for those reasons, Michael Pena is fantastic too. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's such a charming pile of guy. (laughs) <laughs> guy. like the, the movie it reminds me of like commando or like it reminds me of a certain era in hollywood of like those 80s action movies and this is such a clear example of like having a simple plot of man gets hired to do something betrayed by the people that hired him now he has to not only clear his name but punish the people who did it to him while also this other threat that's happening or whatever like it's a classic mm-hmm. story that could have been, and also he's got to fuck his buddy's wife. Oh, I mean, uh, don't forget that part of the course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to. Part for the <laughs> course. Um, and especially that wasn't even in the script. Marky Mark was just like, "Hey, and why don't I say you know hello to his wife for him?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's. I think it's one of the ones that I remembered when I was younger and seeing it when it was newer and like enjoying and being kind of blown away by it. And it really holds up mm-hmm. and is fun. Like, I think it's one of his more fun movies on the, it is an entire filmography. Like I rewatched that in a heartbeat. Well, in a couple of years. Hell yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of done with, uh, Fuqua for, for now. Yeah. You need a Fuqua break. Yeah. I need yeah. You guys sold me on the shooter though. Shoot, shoot. Like, um, I listened to that episode and you guys are like having a fucking ball. <laughs> dude, it's so fun. Yeah. Okay. It Actually, is... yeah, it was one of the movies that my uh old roommate, my buddy Alexis, was saying that like he's like, finally, yeah, it's a movie you guys are talking about that I've seen, and uh I unabashedly love that movie. <laughs> I was like, good. Rules. That's good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going sure. to uh blow everyone's mind with my number two i bet i know what it is 
I know what it is. I think yeah. everyone thinks it's going to be the number one, like the universal number one pick. And I, I know, gotta but say, I, I know I King Kong ain't got shit on my number one. No, sometimes uh, when you want to go number one, you take a number two, dude. Yep. Yeah. I had uh, a feeling you would switch this one up, Paco. I know yeah. what two are left, and I, yeah. I had a feeling. Yes. You know. You said- <laughs> yeah, you already said and obviously, James Wan did Dead Silence, so it can't be that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, number two is a film called Training Day. It is fucking awesome. And it is objectively uh, Fuqua's best movie. Like, no one is going to argue that. Uh, the combination of the performances, the direction, just the like lived in feeling of this horrible day in LA. It is just fucking excellent. Like from top to bottom. And I feel like it like both Denzel and Ethan Hawke do some of the best works of their career. Oh yeah. It that diner scene, it's, like their initial meeting is a fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. It's also uh Denzel's first Academy Award win, right? Yeah, he won for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, which is amazing. Yeah, not surprising too. It's one of those movies that I feel like because people think he should have won for Malcolm X, they're like, "Well, Training Day was like the makeup movie," but yeah. no, Training Day is like a fucking kick-ass movie on its own, and it's getting unjustly forgotten to the sands of time. And Agreed. uh. It fucking rules. Even just within the first 20 minutes of that yeah, movie, I was like, already I feel like this movie needs a higher like rating on Rotten Tomatoes than it has. Yeah. It, like, much higher than it, 72. Like, it, really? In a just world, it would be up there with, like, I consider it a classic crime movie on mm-hmm. par with, like, Scorsese and Coppola's best. Like, yeah. It's it very is, particular yeah. too. It's like it's, it's it's a perfect movie. Yeah, through and through. Like, and it's memorable. Yeah, very it, memorable. It's really memorable. Like being with Ethan Hawke, the rookie, and having him smoke mm-hmm. fucking PCP. weed and and PCP. Yeah. Like that's like there's so many like standout moments that are it just entertaining but fascinating and horrifying all at the same time. Yeah, it yeah. does. It covers so many. Uh, well, we'll probably talk about it because I'm. I'm taking a guess I'm, at what your number one is, Jason. Yeah, because there's clearly only one it's left. Jason's like number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah, what's your number it's one? It's training days. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's really obnoxious when a filmmaker is defined by a movie that they made 20 years ago. Like yeah. I'm, I'm sure that whenever he is introduced to people, it's like from the director of Training Day, mm-hmm. Antoine Fuqua, and it's like I he's done a hu- huge body of work since, but I feel like one of the more definitive parts of his body of work is all in training day. Like if I could boil down a bunch of the things that he enjoys, the like stylistic choices that he makes, it all kind of goes back to training day. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's such a definitive um, uh, police movie of showing a darker side of the police department that people don't see in that struggle of creating a piece of fiction off of something that is so real and lived in and scary and also show a ideal idealistic white 
police officer as the hero of the movie. Which I will like say, it really is a that's a white savior thing. Uh, but, but, you know. I mean, is it though? Because he's not trying to really save the black community from itself. It's not the point, but I can see where uh, folks might be able to see that as like, well, of course you had the white guy be the one who saves the day at the end. But this is well, like I, I see your what I've seen and what I've heard from other podcasts that talk about it, especially that's... podcasts that are hosted by you not know, white people, not white people, white people, yeah. or like yeah. that's some that's oh, a bit sure. white same shit. I mean, I would argue the community is the one who does it. Yeah. Like that's I don't true. think they're it's the Ethan Hawke. They're the ones uh, who do turn their back on him, and that ultimately does kill everything that. Alonzo is, which is an ideal, mm-hmm. an ideology. So I just I think of it as Fuqua's way of going. Like you know what my fantasy is to have someone else in the car going, "Hey, this isn't the right thing to do." You know, I think that's the that that's what's going on there, and I think that that's really chilling and makes it such a good watch where you do see what the police department is and how they're viewed, and to have like a black filmmaker dream of a better world where you do have more police that are like Ethan Hawke's character. It's just a damning indictment. And it's also like, uh-huh. I could, I want to get lost in that fantasy, you know, like that there's someone out there patrolling our community, yeah, our neighborhoods right? <laughs> looking out for us, you know, like I, I think that's the, that that's And I do understand those different perspectives too. And I totally respect those. Um, that's just my initial thought when I watched it. Yeah. I feel like if anything over the past two decades, it's gone from like an overly cynical look. Like that was part of Ebert's review. I remember is he thought it was too negative about the police (laughs) to where we are now, where we're like, damn, imagine if there were cops as good as Ethan Hawk anywhere in the police state, (laughs) which might've been like Fuqua's like point to make is that because he has, he has cop buddies. And his point was essentially like, they all suck, but there are some out there who are trying to do some good. There are the, just the, the one out of all the cops you see in the entire movie, there's one, which is like what ten different cops that you see the entire movie. So, in a you know in a mathematical way, one one of ten cops are good. But I Evan, think that's kind of his point. Is yeah, it's like yeah. you should you should watch Red, White, and Blue, uh, Evan, in the uh, the Small Axe movie. Oh yeah, the Small Axe. Uh, yeah, I was like, where's that something there? That's the one with Boyega, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's I think it's an interesting counter yeah piece to this movie oh, sounds um, good gotta love to mangrove uh but anyway yeah uh, uh all right so my number one is basically <laughs> kind of the reason not this film in particular but the reason i started this podcast is i wanted to discover or rediscover movies like this the kind of movies that aren't the best movies like they don't have the most to say, but they have real artistic talent. They have great acting and yet they are the epitome of a genre film. They are stupid. I mean, not that I'm saying all genre films are stupid, but this one is pretty fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You could see it being on TBS 
at some point yeah. and you could see your dad sitting down and watching it on like a Saturday afternoon with a beer, like stumbling in 30 minutes in. Um, but it like, it's incredibly well crafted. Uh, and TBS. yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. But like, that just was like such a damning statement about a movie. It's like, it's the kind of movie it's on TV. Your dad just afternoon. like stumbled yeah. in. Like, well, it would be the edited for TV version. Yeah, which makes course. sense. But like, like sorry, but I was interrupted you. Please. Like all the violence would be cut out. So it would oh, just yeah. be Denzel Washington trying to help his friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, he's a good guy. What a buddy. <laughs> um, and the film I'm talking about is, of course, The, the Equalizer. Uh, yeah. A groundbreaking film in many ways. I believe mm-hmm. this is chronologically the earliest I have ever seen a character get killed with a book. Um, in mm. uh, an awesome, awful way. Yeah, like John Wick three, like upped the game, but uh, you know, Equalizer beat them to the punch. Yeah, they threw the book out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, my okay. main love of this movie is I truly believe the climax of this movie is one of the best action climaxes of the past 20 years. Uh, it is like a slasher movie. It is like this bizarre home alone in a hardware store (laughs) with Denzel Washington fucking mercs, like 25 Russian gangsters. And it is insane in like, not only is it insane, but it is like shot beautifully. Yeah, you know? it is really With shot beautifully. The sprinklers at the very this, end, like, rain. Yeah, as uh, he's walking slowly and like yeah. he kills the villain with a goddamn nail gun. Mm-hmm. Like not a gun, but he's just like boom. Yeah, it's uh, it's just insane. He fucking kills a dude with a barbed wire tied to a cement bag and (laughs) it's it's literally home alone paint cans yeah Yeah, the whole shebang it's broken mirrors movie of just him doing off dealership Mm -hmm. of making his little uh dungeon of of death and destruction where he's just like hey today i'm gonna build a a noose yeah what's connected yeah someone tries to break into your house you, this will be the way. Follow me. And <laughs> My name's Denzel. I just, I just love <laughs> it, too, because he's just such a nice guy. Like, he borrows he borrows a mallet from work to go beat the shit out of some thief, but then he returns the mallet. Yeah. <laughs> like, showed someone buying it as, like, the fir- like a little kid buying it as the first, like, hammer in their kit, their, their <laughs> toolbox with their dad. <laughs> That'd be pretty fucking awesome. What other shit did you use? <laughs> It's like a sander that's like, I'm going to return this. There's like human hair on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God. It's, it's just. It's a pretty great movie. It's fun. It, it's so good. It's I the, wish I could watch it right now. Yeah, it's the one that like when we were oh. talking about movies that stood out of Fuqua. This, like as much as Training Day was the one I was looking forward to. And like, mm-hmm. of course, I loved. I feel like Training Day, I set 
apart from necessarily the rest of Fuqua's filmography and just set it in like its own little category of great movies. Mm-hmm. And then of the rest, like the Equalizer is the one that like fucking blew me away, blew my mind. I was like, this is absolutely, I think, like the the best of his stuff. It's so good. Yeah, it's so, so great as a revenge movie, but also as like older Denzel like getting to kick ass and take revenge in ways that all of us could totally relate to and just really could feel. And, you know, it was visceral in the moment of like, yeah, they got their fucking come up and those little mm-hmm. bastards. Like, it was just a lot of that. Just like, yes. Uh, but yes. it's also like, it's somehow that movie, but also good vibes. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's just, cause he's not injured or harmed. Well, and he's like helping his buddies. Like his buddy had to yeah. quit his job. Cause like cops were fucking with his yeah. parents work. So he like, you know, takes 15 minutes out of the movie to like deal with fucking up some cops. Just so his, he's got to equalize. Yeah, yeah. So his buddy can go back to work at a fucking minimum wage job at a hardware store. <laughs> hey, it's better than nothing. And he it's can still vibes. take care of his mama. Yeah. yeah. And like, he fucking Batman's that shit. I, he starts those brainers. <laughs> dude, I think that it basically is like a blue collar Batman or Punisher and it yeah. fucking rules. Um, yeah. Except his technological advancement is using Craigslist to find people to help. Yeah. As well, in his defense, he's a boomer. Like, <laughs> that's true <laughs> can you, are you looking can you help me yes in the All six right. years since that movie came out he heard about this guy named Q and he's got <laughs> a little problematic yeah he's definitely gone down some rabbit holes on YouTube <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's been Michael Keaton Batman movies where there's like an elaborate mirror that shows him like the bat signal <laughs> and it really it, 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 Equalizer of him on Bing. You got mail. Yeah. Oh. He's still using AOL. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Watching so Sleepers anyways, in Seattle. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I guess uh, we should say that next week we will be doing what we've mentioned a couple times and pushed. Uh, it is going to be our. Uh, sort of breakdown of the movies of 2020 as well as some of the discoveries we've made last year this will be good vibes yeah we're trying to bring to a shitty year of 2020 trying to at least discuss the good things that have at least come to our you know come to fruition for us in terms of uh entertainment and stuff like that things that you know we could at least look and back on and go distracted us. yeah things that distracted us in a good way yeah um and i feel like we should put out our next filmmaker now as well because her first film is kind of hard to find yeah um after that we will be discussing the films of karen kusama so karen two kusama. weeks from now in fact karen karen the karen I confirmed today, oh. yeah. I, I saw a bunch of interviews with her where she says, Hi, I'm Karin Kusama. So just right off the back, because We've, the Fuqua thing really... Yeah, we definitely f- we fuked me. up on that one. Yeah, so. yeah. that's me. I fuked up. Uh, that's okay. We that's, all fuked. I owned it. 
Uh, I own it. So let's let's get on a, a good a good uh, good level with uh, Fuqua. With <laughs> I say it wrong. With Karin. With Karin. Uh, Kusama. I think Kusama's first movie is Girl Fight. Yeah, that's correct. Randomly, you can find it. You can find it occasionally. Like it, Movie Madness here in Portland has it, which is cool. I found a super cheap copy that I just bought because there's a commentary, and it's Same. it's not on Blu-ray. It's not streaming anywhere yeah. mm-hmm. it's just a dvd i think you can get it on so iTunes. uh i think itunes was one of those where it's like yeah, you can buy it for like 3.99 or something like that because i know they do that stuff i think it was like the only one i bought it on ebay for four dollars <sighs> like free shipping so mm-hmm. i was like yeah. i never buy movies but i kind of love car and kusama not to just humble brag but that i bought something because that's the worst but i am looking forward to um, girl fight i'm really excited like this was a mutual choice between all of us. Uh, and I think I was leaning more into this one just because like her body of work is, is so fascinating um, from destroyer to the invitation. Um, I haven't seen girl fight and a collection of hers. So I'm, I'm in like a, a little, a couple of her other ones. Maybe I haven't seen Aeon flux and Jennifer's. Body. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting. One. Yeah. No, um, Jennifer's body. I haven't seen. So uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting way to discover uh, if you are able to get your hands on that movie, which is even more challenging to get your hands on than I originally realized, uh, given that you guys both bought it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Hopefully it'll be good enough to have on the shelf. Yeah. uh, Well, hopefully I can find it. (laughs) Good luck. Um, Anyways, I hope... Look under your seat, Paco. This is the Oprah moment. (laughs) 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 Like, we broke into your house. Fuck yeah. It's like King Express. I've been breaking into your house while you've been working in your house. (laughs) You had your headphones on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Checks out. I poop like 20 times a day, so... That's true. I timed it it around your poops like Denzel in the equalizer, just like (laughs) looking around a room. (laughs) You assessed it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, if I put it here, he's going to get it faster. (laughs) I mean, thanks for joining us on uh, this next adventure. Uh, Fuqua was really interesting. So I think with Kusama, uh, she has a smaller body of work. um, And it does, aside from Girl Fight, um, a lot of accessibility to her work. And I'm stoked to uh, embark on that journey with y'all. Yeah. Likewise. Um, Yeah, everybody, thank you for getting through all of this with us. And also, I just want to say before we go, it has been rather rough part of the year ending all this so some of these episodes like we're having lots of fun but it's we've been through a lot of different things randomly so we thank you for having the patience with us in some moments where we might have felt a little low energy or just like you know doing our best we're trying real hard and we're trying to do it you know we're doing it for y'all and we're doing it for us but we're also doing it for all of you yeah Um, so thank you so much for being patient you all are doing your best yeah remember that (laughs) you all are we're all just trying to do our best so you just focus whatever the hell you're doing right now and know uh, that you're doing the best as always uh rate review subscribe and give yourself a hug yeah this time give yourself a hug hug. you made it all right goodbye everyone go hug yourself go hug yourself